Welcome to the Battlefield Baptist Church Podcast. We are so glad you joined us and pray that this message is a blessing to you today. The title of this week's sermon is Let's Be About the King's Business. Join us in Acts 1, 4-11. Look with me in Acts chapter 1, and certainly I'll be real honest with you. If our hearts aren't prepared to walk in obedience to His commands, His will, and His way, what I'm about to say won't change your mind. But maybe, maybe just for a few moments of time, you might agree with me to clear the mechanism, to clear your minds, to get rid of the cobwebs, and to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives today. You know, I told some of the guys, I pray a similar prayer every time before I preach. I ask God, God, do now what you can only do. I can't do it, but you can. And so I ask him again this morning to raise up and to show himself strong, to remind us that he is on the throne, to show the world that he has all power. Notice with me what the Bible says in Acts chapter 1. And I want us to backtrack a little bit. I know some of you are thinking we're going to go right to verse number 8. But the title of my message today, we've been talking about obedience for the past three weeks, is let's be about the king's business. Because it's not my business, it's not your business, it's his business. And so I think it would be good if we're going to take up any type of a faith commitment, if we're ever going to take a step of faith. You remember, I said to the men the other night, Mark Mark Batterson was the one who said, faith is taking the first step, and then before God reveals the second step. And so if we're ever going to do that, we have to ask him for the power, the ability to do so. But notice what the Bible says, beginning in verse number four. It says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. This is Jesus commanding them. He says, But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put into his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward the heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, (laughs) as ye have seen him go into heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day that you have made, and certainly I have already rejoiced, and I am glad in it. Father, it was a blessing just to to drive on dry pavement today. Father, we thank you for the little things But God, we're grateful for the huge things that you've done in our life. The very fact that you love the world so much that you sent your only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That that thing, God, we're so most grateful for. 
that we could have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for our missionary family all around the world. And certainly the missionaries that you have brought to us this week. And God, how they have encouraged me and how they have challenged me. And God, how they have reminded me that I need to walk in obedience to your commands. God, I thank you for that. Father, I pray that you would work in our midst in the next few moments of time. That you might just seal our decisions today. As we endeavor to walk by faith and to do more by faith than we have ever done before. God, I pray that if there's someone in this room or within earshot of my voice, God, that has never called out upon the name of the Lord for salvation, they've never sought forgiveness through Jesus Christ, God, I pray that today that they would do that, that they might enter into a relationship that's unlike any other relationship ever, that relationship with you, the relationship that is for all eternity. God, we love you and we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you'll bless now as only you can bless. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it. God, have your will and your way in our lives today. And we'll celebrate it with you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, someone has said the gospel is only good news if it gets there or if it reaches its intended target in time. And over the past few weeks, we've been discussing this idea of obedience and being obedient. And last week, if you remember, I shared with you that God's designated method, His method for communicating that gospel of peace, the glad tiding of good things. And when we think of good things, we think of eternal things. That method of God that He uses is still you and me. He still uses you and He still uses me to communicate his message to the world. And, and here's the thing. If we're going to truly be about the king's business, I'm just thinking if we're going to be about his business, then you and I are going to have to be obedient, number one, to his word. We're going to have to be obedient to his will. And we're also going to have to be obedient to his ways because his word and his ways and his will, they're much higher than our word. They're much higher than our desires or our will. And they're way higher than our ways. And so we're going to have to do those things. But very quickly this morning, I also want us to consider a few things. And so notice with me, first of all, to be about our king's business, then everyone in this room, we're going to have to remember that we need to be consistent. We need to be consistent with our king's purpose. We're going to have to be consistent with our king's purpose. In Mark chapter 16, we're going to take a little trail uh, to see our king's purpose. In Mark chapter 16, verse number 15, Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That word preach is the word that I shared with you last week. It's the Greek word keruso. And it basically means to herald, to proclaim, or to publish. And you remember I shared last week, that's not just the job of me. That's not just the job of our missionaries. That's the job of everyone. And so we have this, this obligation to Russo, to preach the gospel to all the world. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and following, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And then he says these words in verse 19, Go. You notice what he said in Mark 16? Was go. 
In Matthew 28, 19, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. And he says, And lo, and, and Brian was praying it this morning, And lo, I am with you all way to the end of the world. Oh, what a blessing it is to know that our Savior will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He is with us to the end of the world. And what I want you to notice about this passage is in verse number 19. The word teach. The word teach is the Greek word which means to disciple or to make disciples of. And so we see God's purpose is that we need to preach and that we need to teach. And then our verse here in Acts chapter 1, we find the Greek word martus, which is a witness, which actually Brian referenced the other night. It actually alludes to the idea of being a martyr. When Jesus said to his disciples, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, ye shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the world. I like what Brother Brian was sharing Wednesday night when he shared in John chapter 20, verse 21, as my Father has sent me, Jesus was saying this to his disciples, he says, and as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Jesus was saying, hey, I'm sending you out to be a witness of me. And I was thinking about it, and I was thinking we ought to have constructed a courtroom scene up here. Because if you think about it, in the judicial element, when we think of the judicial element of this statement, Jesus was saying, I'm asking you to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. You know, that's all he's ever asked me to do. He's asked me. He says, Greg, I want you to go into all the world. I want you to herald. I want you to proclaim. I want you to preach the gospel. But it's not enough just to preach the gospel. You must teach all nations. You must teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. That's where we get this idea of discipleship. You see, if I, if I lead a person to Christ and I just leave them alone, no good. No good, I've got I've to disciple that person. We've got to use God's word to disciple them. And then also, we have to be willing to speak the truth. And the Bible says to speak the truth in love. So if God were to put you on the witness stand, the question is, when the prosecuting attorney comes your way, are you willing to speak the truth? You see, because outside those doors... There's a whole fury of prosecutors. There's a whole, there's a whole posse of, uh, of people who condemn the name of Christ. There's a whole bunch of people that don't want what you got because we're not living according to His Word, His will, and His way. And so we have to preach, we have to teach, and we have to be willing to witness. I think about, and as Brother Brian said, you know, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Certainly the Father has sent him. But I also know from Scripture that we can see why the Father sent Jesus. You see, the Bible tells me that he came to seek and to save that which was lost in Luke 19.10. He came to save sinners. He came to bear witness of the truth, the Bible says. He came to be a minister. He came to heal the brokenhearted and to restore sight to the blind. He came to do the will of his Father. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, I say it all the time, he's praying in the Garden and he's asking God the Father. He says, will you let this whole cup of your wrath pass from me? Jesus didn't want to put God's cup of wrath on, him, on his own self in the flesh. 
But then he said these words. He said, not my will. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. See, he was obedient to the Father's will. We find that in Philippians chapter 2 as well. He came, the Bible tells me in 1 John 3, 8, what a blessing that is. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Well, I'm thankful for my Savior, you see, because his purpose as the greatest missionary of all time. A lot of people say the Apostle Paul was the greatest missionary of all time. Oh, no, my friend. The greatest missionary of all time was Jesus Christ. It was the redemption and the restoration of mankind. And you see, what's, what's amazing to me is that Jesus, he came because he had a ministry of reconciliation. And then he took that ministry of reconciliation and he told the disciples, he says, it's your job now. He said, I'm going to prepare a place. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you. That where I am, there you may be also. Woo, I'm getting excited this morning. Woo. We need to be consistent with this purpose. And the only way I know to be consistent is to be obedient. The Lord had prepared. Think about this, guys. The Lord had prepared and appointed his disciples to the ministry of preaching, to the ministry of teaching, and to the ministry of witnessing. And by God's amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He's done the same thing with me, and he's done the same thing with every blood-bought child of God. We have the ministry to preach. We have the ministry of teaching. And we have the ministry of witnessing today. I think about it. These ordinary men... This ragtag group of disciples, if you please. These ordinary men, they watched Jesus' very manner of life. These guys, they saw his miracles. They saw his meekness. They saw his sufferings. They listened to his instructions and his teaching. They had conversed with him. They had fellowshiped with him. They had broken bread with him. They had seen him after he had risen from the grave. And now... Here in this passage, they're about to witness the greatest thing. Can you imagine being there and watching the Lord Jesus Christ ascend into heaven? Can anybody imagine that? Have you ever closed your eyes? I do that all the time. I, I try to put myself in this story, and I'm like, man, would I have been one of those guys like this? Bro, did you see what just happened? Did you see that guy? That's awesome! You know what was more awesome? Was when those two men in the white apparel said, oh, quit looking up there. You got a job to do. See, he, he told you you've got a ministry of reconciliation. It's time for you to go preach. It's time for you to go teach. It's time for you to go be a witness. He's coming back soon and very soon. Oh, man, I'm excited about that day. He's done the exact same thing with you and I. See, we need to be consistent with this purpose. You see, the Bible says, for those who have called upon the name of the Lord, we are actually the called according to his purpose. In Romans 8, 28, 2 Timothy 1, 9 reminds us that if we are saved, we have been called with a holy calling, the Bible says. A holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Today, our Lord's desire is still to work through His children. 
And I just put down in my notes, if we're going to be consistent with his purpose, then we must continually be serving as missionaries right here. Listen, I don't want to ask Aaron and Chrissy and Kylie. I don't want to ask Greg and Mary and Gregory and Gary and Madeline and Grant and Brian and Sandy and every one of our other 111 missionaries. I don't want to ask them to go do something I'm not willing to do here. We must be serving as missionaries in our own Jerusalem while we send them to the uttermost part of the earth. And I'm thankful that you're willing to go. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, reminds me of my obligation when it tells me that I'm to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord... In Colossians chapter 2, verse number 6, the Bible reminds us of our consistency. It says, as we therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Think back. Maybe this would be good for us. Think back to your view of Jesus Christ the day you got saved. Now just stop and think about it for a second. If you can't remember, there's a problem. I'm not concerned as much about a date. A lot of people say, well, I don't remember the date that I trusted Christ. Listen, I'll be real honest with you. I don't think when we get to heaven, they're going to be concerned about a date. As much as they are concerned about a change. Think about that date when you finally realize, because for me, now listen, I'm going to be very transparent. The only reason I know the date is because when I went to Baptist Bible College, I was filling out all the paperwork and they said, hey, you need to write your testimony out. And so I called the church where I trusted Christ. It was an amazing thing. I called them, I said, listen, I was there when George Sweet was preaching. It was a revival meeting. It was in September of 1980. I don't know the date, but I was there and the secretary on the phone down at Calvary Road Baptist Church in Alexandria, Virginia, she started chuckling. Because she had been there since 1980. And she says, she says, oh, I remember that revival meeting. Now, mind you, this is like 2006. That's a long time. And she starts laughing. She says, now, give me your name and number, and I'll go back in our files and see if we have your decision card. Did you fill out a card? And I said, yes, ma'am, I, I believe I filled out a card. I just try, I, you know, I, it's not important to me. I know the Lord has changed me, but I said, I'm writing out. I'm going to Bible college. I'm writing out my test. And she called me back. And she said, you got saved on September the 16th, 1980. Man, you know, that's an amazing thing that I can celebrate. You know what's more amazing? Is 1980 was the year that Battlefield Baptist Church was started. And what's even more amazing than that, I always tell people, is if you know about missions at Battlefield Baptist Church, you know that missions was a big deal for Mrs. Skinner. That's her birthday, September the 16th. I was saved on her birthday. We have that in common. Pastor Skinner says, oh, he says, you and my wife, you're killing me. Man, we ought to look back and remember that view that we had of Jesus. Because I can tell you, I was sitting right where Miss Francis is in the second row of that church. And my view of Jesus was, this guy is amazing. Have you lost that love and feeling towards your Savior? 
You see, because Paul told the church at Colossus, he said, as ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. The word walk in Scriptures is used to denote my manner of life, my conduct, the way that I behave. And the point is this, everything that I think, everything that I say, everything that I do should be done under the influence of those ideas that I had when I first trusted Christ. Why should it change? It shouldn't. You see, when we walk according to those thoughts, we're going to be walking in consistently, walking in consistent agreement with our King's purpose. And people will be able to recognize Christ living in through us. Listen, God's message is still the gospel. His method is still to work through you and me. And His mission is still to reach the world. So I say, let's be consistent with this purpose. Secondly, I also say that you and I, as Christ followers, we ought to be characterized by our king's power. You see, I don't walk in my own power. I walk in his power. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We, our lives should be characterized by his power, not our own. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, notice what verse number 1 and following says. The Apostle Paul writing to this church that had a lot of problems. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Notice what he says, verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear, and in much trembling. Does this sound like anybody else? Have you ever walked in weakness and in fear and in much trembling? He says, this is, my, this is what I was at. Notice verse 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. But don't stop there because you have to ask the question, why? Why would the Apostle Paul do that? Notice what he says in verse number 5. He says, so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, Paul had a holy ambition to make Jesus Christ known. And he had relied on God's power time and time and time again. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that so should we. We ought to be walking and talking in Jesus' name. Absolutely, I believe that. You say, hey, well, you're the preacher. You better believe it. Listen, I believed it before I was in ministry. And by the way, everyone in this room is in ministry, whether you know it or not. As we were reminded on Wednesday night, we are called to be salt. The salt melts and the salt flavors and on and on, as Brother Brian was sharing. Listen, we, we are ministers whether we know or not. I think back about Matthew chapter 28 in the very beginning of verse number 18. And I don't know if we can show that verse again, but in verse number 18 of Matthew 28, notice what Jesus says. He says, all power, that word is exosia. All power, exosia, he says, was given unto him not only in heaven, but in earth as well. And so what I wrote down here is that Jesus as the creator, he is the only one that has the original right to all things. And in this verse, by using that word exosia, 
what Jesus was saying is that he had the authority. He had the jurisdiction. He had the liberty, the power. He had the right and he had the strength to redeem, defend, and save the church, which his blood paid for it all. And he said, I have the power, and all power is given unto me in the heaven and in earth. I think about John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you drop down to verse number 3 in John chapter 1, the Bible says that all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And essentially, what, that, what the Bible is telling us there in the Gospel of John is nothing happens apart from Jesus. Woo! That's a pretty cool thought, especially if you're a Christian. Listen, quit worrying about Hillary and Donald and start focusing on Jesus. I said about four months ago, what a shame that we have 340 plus million people in this country and that's the two best we've got. Come on. And I believe that it's terrible. But you know what? I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid because I can be more than a conqueror through Christ that strengthens me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Listen, if we would put more focus on Jesus, we'd see less of the trouble that we've got. There ends that political stump speech or whatever. Listen, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, think about, we, we are so crazy. We don't rely on God's power. We don't walk by faith anymore. We don't. But the Bible tells me in Colossians chapter 1, verse number 16. If you're visiting with us today and you're saying, oh my gosh, I entered the wrong church today. (laughs) I'm just fired up because I got this little hand, this little feet, the little heart, and the little mic behind me. I want you to know something. I'm not Pentecostal, but I'm passionate about Jesus. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 1, it says, for by him, this is speaking of Jesus, our Savior, the same one that saved us from the pits of hell, the miry clay, brought us up out of the miry clay, set us upon the rock, and established our going. It says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, lowercase p, Or powers, lowercase p. Notice it says, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. Listen, if you and I actually know that he's got the power. Isn't that like that song? I got the power. (laughs) I feel like Jared up here. If we know, if we know that he has all power, doesn't it make perfect, reasonable sense that you and I can trust him to make a silly little commitment and give it by faith? Because the Bible says he's got the power. I don't rely on my, listen, I don't rely on me, myself, and I, because every time I've done that, I get into trouble, don't I? I look at my wife. Oh my goodness. Why not live? 
Why not live our lives and be characterized by His power? In John chapter 12, verse 32, our Lord said, And if I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. Paul said, as I've already mentioned in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. In John 15.5, Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same will bring forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. And so what I take away, the small takeaway there, is that with Christ we can do all things. Without Christ we can do nothing. Oh, listen, exercising faith based on the king's power knows no limits. Paul knew, in fact, we read this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 here, where he says in verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He knew, guys, he knew that he was only an instrument in the hands of an all-powerful God. In fact, he knew that his Lord, the King, his King, was to coin an old title of a song years ago. He knew that he was the master composer of everything. And Paul said, you know what? I came in his power. Now listen, if anybody could have come in excellency of speech, it would have been the Apostle Paul. He's a man who studied and knew a, a, a lot about uh, religious things. But you see, when he had that transformation, that road to Damascus, when he fell on his knees... And that transformation process took place in his life. All that knowledge was out the window. And he started focusing on Jesus. Listen, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, the Bible says, For the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. In Ephesians 6, I was looking at Cohen's, book and he did a thing of the armor of God that's an amazing thing you've got there my buddy and and he was quoting there finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might listen that's the only way I can be strong without him I am very very weak but with him I can be strong in 2nd Timothy 1 7 I know a lot of us have this problem when we struggle with it it says but God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind listen if we're going to be about the king's business we cannot walk in fear. If we're going to be about the king's business and be characterized by our king's power, then you and I are going to have to walk by faith. I think about how through Scripture, time and time again, we see that our Lord, he questions. Listen to this. He questions and actually even rebukes little or no faith. In fact, if we were to go, and we're not going to take time, but if we were to go to Matthew chapter 8 and Mark chapter 4, you remember the story where the Lord was in the boat and a storm started to take place. And he's over there, he's nestled over in the corner, he's taking a little siesta. And these guys start to flip out. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna die, we're going to drown, we're going to do this. Lord, wake up, wake up, wake up. His response in both Gospels is very similar. He says to them, he says, why are you fearful? Oh, ye of little faith. I think about when he went back to his hometown of Nazareth. In Mark chapter 6, verse 6, he marveled at the unbelief of the people who were from his hometown. But I also know, not only does he question and rebuke little faith, but I've seen it done in my life. He celebrates and he rewards faith 
and great faith. You think about passages of, like, uh, I think Brother Barton on Friday night, he mentioned the friends who brought the palsy man to Jesus in Mark chapter 2. Oh, the Lord celebrated their faith. He said, because of their faith, you know? And then you think about, uh, what about the story of blind uh, Bartimaeus? He cries out. He cries out. They're trying to hush him. He's crying out to the Lord. And so the Lord makes time for blind Bartimaeus and restores his sight. And then the classic passage. I was reminded of this classic passage a couple uh, weeks ago in Luke chapter 7. You know, the centurion's faith. His centurion servant, we know in that passage that the centurion servant's sick. He's ready to die. And so the centurion sends the, uh, the elders of the Jews to Jesus. And he says, hey, he says, send him and tell him that I need him to come and heal my servant. My servant is sick. And a, a beautiful thing in that story, if you go to Luke chapter 7, is that it says the servant was dear to him. The centurion loved this man. Loved this servant of his. And he sends the Lord, sends after. And, and so these, these elders of the Jews, they go to the Lord and they say, they not only even tell him, they say, this man's worthy. They said, Lord, will you come? Because this guy's actually worthy of you to come. And while Jesus is coming, the centurion looks outside of his house and he sends his friends out and he says, you go tell him, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Tell him to forget it. Forget it. I don't need it. I'm not worthy that he should even come under my roof. And they run out there and they tell Jesus these words. Verse number 9 of that passage. The Bible tells me that Jesus marveled. He marveled at the faith of the centurion. He said these words. He says, I have not found so great faith in Israel. Here's the really cool part of the story. After his friends return to the house, you see, they tell him, Centurion says, don't bother. Don't come. I'm not worthy for you to come into the house. Jesus marvels at the centurion's faith. The guys, the friends, they go back into the house. They walk in the house, and the servant has already been made whole. Nowhere in the story, listen to me, nowhere in the story will you ever find Jesus speaking a word of healing for the servant. The man was healed. Because of faith. Listen, he does the same thing. He works in powerful, miraculous ways in our life. And a lot of us have been waiting for Jesus to say a word or to do this. Listen, he just wants us to take a step of faith. He wants us to get out of the boat, so to speak. Oh, yes, friends, even in that brief moment of the centurion's life and faith, he was not characterized by anything of himself but by the king's power. So I say, let's be characterized by our king's power. And then finally, I want to just encourage you, let's be compelled or driven, if you like that word driven better, let's be compelled or driven by our king's passion. Oh, he was certainly passionate for you and certainly passionate for me. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we close the message here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to remind you what the Apostle Paul, again speaking in his second letter to the church at Corinth, in verse number 14 and 15, notice what the Bible says. It says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And if that he died for all, 
that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but notice these words, but unto him which died for them and rose again. You see, our Lord's passion and obedience led him to die on the cross of Calvary for me and for you and for the sins of the whole world. Don't you think that deserves a response? Don't we think that that actually demands some type of a response? I remember somebody sharing a story with me. He said, he said if you were in a restaurant and you had a lunch, and let's just say your lunch was 8 or $9, you bought a sandwich and a drink or whatever, and I were to pay for your lunch, what would you say? I said, man, I'd say, praise the Lord, thank you. Man, free lunch. The Lord Jesus Christ offered himself on the old rugged cross. Oh, we've glamorized it. We've glamorized it. We've made it pretty. But I guarantee you it wasn't pretty when they slammed those spikes through his hands. I guarantee you it wasn't pretty when they slammed those spikes through his feet. And when he hung there and he gasped for breath, he was at the point of death and he said those words, it is finished. That type of passion should compel us. It should cause us to want to do more for our Savior. I think about the beautiful passage in 1 John chapter 4. And in verse number 7 and following, the Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this, notice verse number 9, in this, in that thing, manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. And then that classic verse, verse number 10, here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. As Christ followers, God's love should in turn compel us to become more passionate about letting the world know, letting the world see, and letting the world hear how that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's what Brian was talking about Wednesday night when he said, even as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. And it's not just about what we say, it's about what we do, it's about where our feet take us, it's about what our hands do. It's an all-encompassing lifestyle that we need to have as witnesses unto the Father. Scripture reminds us, oh, certainly we know those passages, to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And then the Bible says that we're all also to love our neighbors, which is where we have a problem. We usually stop right there. We're like, eh, I don't want to love my neighbor. But it says to love our neighbor even as ourselves. And do you know what? What's crazy is the Scripture also tells me to love my enemies. Our Lord's passion can be seen in the fact that he came to set the captive free. Lives are at stake in Argentina. Lives are at stake in Wales. Lives are at stake in Nicaragua. Lives are at stake in Northern Virginia. Listen, we don't have a lot of time. I said last week, time is of the essence. 
Jesus said in John chapter 4 that the fields are white already unto harvest. In Matthew chapter 9, he said the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Remember I said, when he says the harvest is truly plenteous, what he is saying is there's people ready to harvest. There are people who are ready to receive the gospel, but there are very few who are willing to take it to them. Oh, my friends, if we're going to be about our king's business, oh, we must be consistently walking in agreement with his purpose. We must be character. We must be people who are characterized by his power and end it all. We must be compelled. We must be driven by his passion. And so I simply say this, you know, the Great Commission. I like what Mary said. Where's Mary? Mary said, uh, I'm no different than you. You know, I say the same thing. Aaron, you and your wife are sitting right where Krista and I sat in 1997 on this very Sunday morning when we surrendered our lives. We were sitting right there in the third pew. Just a regular guy. The son of a Methodist music minister who gave his life to Christ in a Baptist church. Married the love of his life. And determined that it was better to serve God than to serve man. That's it. That's it. That doesn't mean that everyone will be called to pastor. It doesn't mean that everyone will be called to go to Argentina, Nicaragua, or Wales. But God is calling us to be about his business. And so I simply, I close the message by simply begging you to make the decision today to be about the king's business. And I'm reminded every day that I come up on this hill that the king's business is missions. That's it. The king's business is missions. And the way that we promote missions is to be about his business by preaching, teaching, and witnessing. And so I challenge you today Pray, God, what will you have me to do? If you're here today and you say, I've never experienced the king's power in my life, I encourage you to bow your head and your heart and to call out upon the name of the Lord for salvation today. If you're here and you say, you know what? I have not been walking by faith this past year. I've been walking by sight. I want to challenge you. Start a faith journey like never before. God will work in and through you in a miraculous way. You say, how do you know it? Because he's done it in my life. What he's done for me, he'll do for you. I know that, and I guarantee that. Let's pray. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about our ministry, please go to battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. See you next time.